Hi, everyone. You are now listening to BCC Sermons. Thanks for tuning in. We've got some exciting things that God has been doing here at BCC. And before we jump into the message this morning, I just want to share a few of those with you. We'd like to give an update to our church family on some specific areas directly connected to the vision and mission that God has called us to, and that is to connect, to grow, and to serve. And over these past few months, we've had two people baptized, we've had 12 new members, and we've had seven new serve team members. And so can we just give God some praise for that? I think that that's awesome. So I asked Lori to go back and and just look and say, hey, um, over the past year, what has God done as we go back and look? And as we look uh, over the past year, and um, excluding the the figures that I just gave you, we've had five baptisms, 39 new members, and 126 new serve team members over the past year. So, hey, come on, somebody. Like, God's doing good stuff. And it's awesome to see how God's using BCC to impact every generation beyond our lifetime. And so we can just praise God and thank God for all of that. And we just see so much fruit. And it's just amazing to see that. And every one of us, you, me, we all have a next step that God wants us to take in growing in Christ no matter how long you've been a Jesus follower. We don't get to take a time out from growing if we're following Jesus. Amen? It's not like we can say, oh, I'm done growing. I kind of know everything. I'm just here to, you know, help things go along. No, no, no. If you're here and if you're still on this earth and you're still sucking air, then I can tell you this, God still has a purpose for you and it's to bring him glory and it's for you to continue to grow in Christ likeness and godliness. Because as we grow, we continue to learn so much that we didn't know we didn't know. And I don't know yet what I don't know, you know? So there's lots of things for us to still grow in and learn. So every one of us should be lifelong learners. And a big part of us growing is spending time with God. And we practiced that corporately this past week when over 220 people from our church signed up to go through the book of Philippians. And that's awesome. And so hopefully you're one of those people, if you missed it, you can still jump on there. Hey, don't just not do it because you missed out on the week where we all did it together. Jump on there and still do it. It's still um, on the website, accessible through the more you know. And we can make sure to get those links to you if you want that information because I know God is just helping us to grow deeper, grow stronger, grow more unified, continue to grow in Christ likeness and godliness. And the next step of our, of our growth, it requires that we acknowledge that we're not meant to do this alone. But what does that look like? for you. What does that look like for me? Let's go over to Philippians chapter 2. I bet we've got some scholars in the room this morning in the book of Philippians. And you're like, yeah, I can, I could tell you a thing or two about Philippians because we did a deep dive, man, going through that. And I hope you found that really helpful in your journey and in the way you handle scripture. So Philippians chapter 2, who wrote Philippians? Somebody help me out. All right. Paul wrote this and he wrote this while he was in prison, right? He wrote this to the church in Philippi, and so he's, uh, he, he's wanting to encourage them uh, to be able to continue to stand for Christ as well as thank them for uh, the gift that they've prepared to be able to send out to him. And so he writes this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to read through verse 18. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, 
any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be poured out, that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad to rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Here Paul is giving... This list, Paul loves lists. Remember, we've talked about this before. And this list that he's giving is one where he's saying, guys, this is what's important in the life of a Christ follower when it comes to your interactions and your relationships with one another. This is how we are to treat one another. This is how we are to care for one another. This is the mindset that we are to approach one another with. This is the level of humility that it's going to require. And he even compares the humility that you and I need to interact with each other as the same type of humility that Christ had when he came to the earth and gave himself as a sacrifice for the world. He says, let this mind, let this mindset be in you. And he's comparing that and contrasting that to how you and I are to treat one another. And he says, listen, this is the mindset that that God is looking for. This is the mindset that it requires for you and I to honor God, that we humble ourselves this much to this level. That we're, that we're completely emptying ourselves of ourselves for the benefit of another. This is the mind that was in Christ. And this is the mind that Paul says needs to be in the church as he's exhorting them and telling them, this is how you need to interact. He says, listen, don't let anything, verse 3, don't let anything be done from selfish ambition or conceit. It's not about you. It's not about what you can accomplish and achieve on your own. He says, actually, you guys need to have the same mind, the same love, being of full accord and in one mind in Christ. And so this is what Paul is trying to help the church to get and help the church to see because humility counts others more significant than ourselves. Humility is what you and I 
are required to have in order to have that Christ-like heart to be able to love and to serve one another. It's bigger than you, and it's bigger than me, amen? So many people want to go and just pursue their own way. They want to pursue their own way in their own life. They want to pursue their own way in church, in Christianity. And so we have this idea that we can be this maverick-type personality that can just separate ourselves from everyone else and just go and do our own thing. That's why you hear people say things like, well, you know, I don't don't need Christ-centered community. I don't need church. I can spend time with God by myself. Yeah, absolutely, you can. That's true. But also, did you know that the very first thing God said that was not good that's ever recorded was that man was alone? The very first thing that God ever said not good because everything in creation, you read the book of Genesis, this was good, this was good, that was good. All of a sudden God says, man's alone, not good. And so we can understand that God has created us for connection. God has created us for relationship. God wants us to be connected, not in an unhealthy, codependent way, but in a way where we are, we, where we are co-laborers together, recognizing the strengths of one another, recognizing the giftedness of one another, recognizing the value that God has in one another, and wanting to serve the other more than I get served. So many people want to sit back and say, oh, well, when am I going to get what I deserve? I put in all of this, and now it's time for someone to do this for me. I've put in my time. I've punched my card in, and I've done all these things. No, no, no. If you are still here, God has still called you to serve. He's called you to serve one another. He's called you to empty yourself. He's called you to serve and clothe yourself with this idea of humility it's so easy for us to think more highly of ourselves than we should. And that's exactly what everything in this world would have our hearts be aimed towards and be, be, be focused on. It would be this idea that I'm out for what I can get out of the deal. What's in it for me, right? That's how we often evaluate whether or not we want to participate in something or engage in something. We go, does this add value to my life? Is this something that it's going to help me, what's in it for me, is really the question that we ask over and over and over again. And then we will make decisions based off of what's in it for me. That's not the way the Christ follower is supposed to evaluate. We're supposed to look and say, how can I best serve and does this bring glory to God? Not what's in it for me, what's in it for him? What's in it for eternity? What's in it for beyond what I can heap up for myself? Because, man, the accolades that I could get from it, the benefit, even the good feeling that I could get from it. Sometimes we just chase that good feeling. Can I tell you, man, I bet you there are times that the Apostle Paul was serving the church and there weren't good feelings attached to it. Have you ever read some of the things Paul says? Like some of the things he says is like, I don't even want to be here anymore, but it's for your benefit that I stick around. Actually, for me to die is actually better. It's gain. And so, you know what? I'm kind of looking forward to that. But if God wants me to, I'll stick around as long as he wills for me to stick around. Because I consider that suffering with Christ being with you all. And that's what Paul said. Go go read it. Paul said, for me to be with you is like suffering as Christ suffered. And what does Paul say? He's not saying you guys are annoying. That's not what he's saying. What Paul is saying is that, listen, to simply be alive here compared to the glory of being with Christ is suffering. 
That's how beautiful the, 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 the glory of God is. We, we can't even fathom, but I know, I know that it doesn't even compare to my best day on planet Earth. So Paul says, whether I'm in shackles, whether I'm free, it doesn't matter because I, I can do all these things because I'm focused on Christ. He gives me the strength, amen? That's what Paul's trying to communicate because he understands there's a different value system for the Christian. There's a different value system that isn't just focused on what I get out of the deal. That isn't just focused on what's in it for me. Paul wants the church to stay focused and anchored in unity. Because the very moment that we begin to pursue selfish ambition, and we begin to think of ourselves higher than we ought, that's when all of a sudden the enemy begins to get a foothold in the unity of the body of Christ. Because all of a sudden we start thinking about my way. I start thinking about what I want. I start thinking about my preferences. What, well, I begin to think about what's fair or what's right in my eyes. And the moment that I get my eyes off of Jesus and off of serving one another and I start thinking that way, then I begin to create in my heart a consumeristic attitude. And this heart of a consumer, man, it's easy for us, especially in our day and age, to drift over into the heart of a consumer. Because there are so many things, especially as technology has afforded us the opportunity for everything to be so personalized and individualized and, and so customized, we began to grow up with the mentality thinking that we deserve things our way. We think we deserve it. When the gospel says what we deserve because of our sin is actually eternal separation from God. That's what we deserve. But we don't get that because of the gracious gift that he gave us in Jesus Christ. Amen? That should stir our hearts to awe. Wow, I'm not getting what I deserve. Think about it. I rem How many of you guys remember? This is going to date most of us in the room. How many of you guys remember going to like McDonald's and you could not customize your order? You remember? Like you went there and you ordered a hamburger and you got it the way it came. I remember that. And it drove me nuts. I remember there was no, here's my food allergy list. There was none of that, right? Whatever they put on the sandwich is what you got. And then Burger King came out with this whole your way campaign. And the thing that put Burger King on the map as a competitor with McDonald's was the fact that they were willing to take a few extra seconds to make it the way you wanted instead of the way that it came. And it revolutionized the fast food industry. And now, we think everywhere we go, we can just get it our way, right? I mean, just think about all of the customization that happens in our world, all the personalization. And there's nothing wrong with personalization, but often it creates this heart in us, if we're not careful, that we think that everything is supposed to go our way. Everything's supposed to be custom-tailored to us. And if we think that everything in life is supposed to be custom-tailored to us, then we take that same lens when we look at the gospel, when we look at Christ-centered community, when we look at the church. And we begin to do exactly what Paul is warning the church not to do. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Stop pursuing this, this, this idea of, of, of this selfish ambition and conceit. But actually, humility, he says, remember, verse 3, humility counts others more significant than yourself. Man, that's a tough truth. Because the church is a community of servants, not a collection of consumers. It's a community of servants. 
where we try to outdo one another by serving each other, not by out-spiritualizing one another. If I'm going to try to outdo someone, it's going to be, man, let, let me serve. Let me help. Let me be a part of this. Let, let me help you instead of this idea where others look at us because we may have certain accolades or certain things that we feel that we've accomplished. No, it's actually in serving. I want to continue to grow in serving. And here's our big idea for the day. We grow better together through Christ-centered community. It's not this idea of us being alone. It's not this idea of us being separated. It's not this idea of us somehow having uh, this ability to continue to grow in Christ while being disconnected from his body. No, we actually grow better. We grow better together in unity through Christ-centered community. Philippians 3 and 17, I I love this text that, that Paul goes on to write later where he says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. He's inviting the Philippians to come and join him in imitating the way that they're following and serving Christ. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to this example. We're trying to set a pattern for you here. We're trying to show something. This goes back to this idea of mentoring and showing examples and inviting people to walk alongside you. He's saying, brothers, join me in this. Join in imitating me. Come along with me as I pursue Christ and I want you to pursue unity and pursue serving and have this type of heart that's eternally focused. These are the value system of heaven and I want this to be so solidified in you that it's driving the way you interact with other people it's driving the way you make decisions it's become that filter for your heart so you don't drift back into selfishness so you don't drift back into this conceitedness but instead you're looking out for one another's interests you're serving one another and Paul is setting an example for them while he's in prison right You think if anyone could play the sympathy card, if anyone could play the feel sorry for me card, if anyone could play the I'm having a bad day card, it would be Paul. And everybody would understand. Nobody would go, really, Paul? I mean, come on. Is the food that bad? You know, like, I mean, come on, right? I mean, none of us would criticize Paul if he wanted us to try to feel sorry for him because of his situation or because of the things that he's had to endure. We would all go, man, I get it. If, if you quit, like, I mean, you know what? You should just retire. You know, you should just, you know, you should just quit while you're ahead. I mean, you've written a lot of letters. They've been helpful. Um, you know, we've heard your sermons. You're, you've done enough, man. And Paul's like, I'm still setting an example even from prison of how you're supposed to be a prisoner a prisoner who's done nothing wrong by the way a prisoner who is a christ-filled christ-focused servant attitude servant heart he's still setting the example even while incarcerated man Isn't that amazing that he's still saying, join in imitating me. Let me show you how to do this. And so what Paul is modeling for them during this time in his life is this is how you navigate tough stuff. Because wouldn't you say Paul's been through some tough things? Maybe one or two? Paul's modeling for them and he's saying, brothers, join in imitating how I navigate these tough things. 
Do you hear the way that I'm constantly focused on you? Do you hear the way? Even when they try to like do stuff for him. He even writes, some of you that have gone through Philippians, you, you will have remembered some of this, where he said, hey, you guys have been giving me stuff, taking care of my needs, but I've never really been in lack either way. So thank you, but I'm not speaking from the point as if I like was going, oh, I'm, 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 I have to have this stuff from you to be able to survive. So he was saying, I'm, I appreciate it, but he was saying, I'm still okay even if I didn't get it. And he was trying to balance being gracious, but also teaching them a lesson on dependent on Christ. And so he does this thing where he's saying, hey guys, I'm still okay even if you wouldn't have prepared this offering or these items or whatever you brought to me because I'm still satisfied. I'm still content. I've learned how in all things to find this contentment because it's Christ who's given me this strength to be able to be content in the middle of all this stuff that, man, most of us, we would be ready to quit. We'd be ready to be done. And Paul's setting an example. He's setting the tone of still serving by the way that he's acting and responding and treating others and ministering to them. As we explore this idea of spending time with others, spending time with others glorifies God when we do it with an eternal investment in mind. And it's more than activities. It's more than groups. It's more than fun. It's more than Bible studies. It's more than classes. It is us establishing a pattern through relationships that are worth imitating. That's really the heart of spending time with others. There's a lot of different ways we can do it, right? There's a lot of different ways within the context of BCC that we can do it. But ultimately, we want to establish a pattern in relationship that is worth following, where we're sharpening each other as iron sharpens iron, where we're helping one another to grow, spurring one another on to good works, where we're linking arms and hearts with people, where we're helping others to grow as we ourselves are continuing to grow as we press on they're pressing on with us and this is why we are better together this is why we grow better together through christ-centered community because it is bigger than just simply checking something off of my list oh i did relationships this week oh i did small group this week or oh i did bible study with someone this week or oh i did mentoring this week right or whatever the case may be and we just check it off of our list and then we're done no actually this is part of who we are it's part of who we are it's it's infused into the rhythm of our life and it becomes a priority and every single one of us in christ-centered relationships have a next step to take every single one of us you do I do. And as I began to think about this message when I was praying over it, preparing, I began to think, you know, God, what are some of those next steps? Because everyone has a next step deeper to take. No matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how long you've been attending church, every one of us have a next step deeper to take. And one of our core values here at BCC is relationships are our priority. We prioritize relationships here because we understand that discipleship happens best in Christ-centered community. If Jesus has given us this great commission to go out into all the world and make disciples, disciplined followers of him, imitators of him, people who are committing their lives, committing their all to him, if that's our, our aim and our commission and our command that he's given to all believers, not just some believers, 
all believers, then we have to make relationships, Christ-centered relationships, priority in our lives, in our church, in our rhythms. Amen? Amen? We have to make these things priority. And it can't just be something we say. And it's got to be bigger than just simply checking a box. So what is your next step to spending time with others? So I have a few ideas here that I want to share with you. Maybe you write some of these down and maybe these ideas kind of spur another idea and maybe it just helps you to get things started. Okay, so I want to give you some practical things to help you navigate this so we don't just talk about these big, lofty ideas and we can have all these great philosophies that we all wonder about and we go, oh, that's neat. That sounds like something I hope someone's doing. Instead, I would rather see us take some practical steps and go, hey, here's some things I can do because we're all at different places in this and we all have a next step to take, right? So if we all have a next step deeper, some of us, maybe our step that we have to take is something very, very early on that we haven't even begun to do because maybe we're just afraid. Maybe there's intimidation there. Maybe there's just, uh, I'm, a, I'm a newer believer. Or I'm new to this idea of relational discipleship and I just, I don't, I don't know what I need to do to take a next step, all right? So I'm going to help us out this morning. Some of these things are going to seem really elementary, so don't laugh. I mean, you can laugh now, but don't laugh later because you might make someone feel bad who thinks that's a good idea, okay? All right. <clears throat> so here, here's an easy one. This is low-hanging fruit, all right? You ready for this? This is going to blow somebody's mind. Learn someone's name and ask them their story, right? There is no sweeter music that anyone hears than the sound of their own name that they listen to, that they perk up about. There's nothing that gives a person more value that you just met than you listening to them and being able to recall their name. It shows you're paying attention. It shows that you're listening. It shows that you care. It shows that you want to get to know them. And you're trying to, so, so I know some of us, we always do this. It's so terrible. Stop. We all need to stop doing this, me included. I'm better with faces than I am with names, right? We all say this, like, like that's okay, right? Like, and, and I get it. There's a lot of people, especially at BCC. So, so the odds of you memorizing every person's name is, is probably really, really small. Um, and that's okay. You don't have to memorize everyone's name. That's not what I'm suggesting. What I'm trying to encourage you to do is, as a next step in connecting with people relationally, see someone you don't know, have the courage to ask them their name, commit that person's name to memory, and then make sure next time you see them to call out their name to let them know, hey, I remember your name, and talk to them and ask them, hey, what's your story? And it could even be something as simple as, hey, how long have you been coming to BCC? Or you could ask someone, hey, you know, um, uh, how, did you, how did you find out about, about this church? Maybe you find out they've been here a long time. Maybe you find out they've been here a very short time. Maybe you find out it's their very first time here altogether. Whatever the case may be, you have to take that step. And how beautiful would it be if every single person in this church took that one singular step? How powerful would that be if every person decided, I'm going to learn one person's name. I'm going to grow in this idea of unity and Christ-centered community. What if we all did something? I know you're like, Pastor Derek, this is really, really simple. I know. But think about if we all actually did it, right? 
Think about if we all did it just this week. What if when we dismiss service, what if we all did this one thing? How much more full of love would our church be the next time we gathered together? How much more cared about would people feel the next time we gather together? I guarantee you there's one other person that would feel that way. Right? So that's for your consideration. Perhaps that's your next step deeper, that God's challenging you. You could then take that step of getting to know someone, because it's great if you're the type of personality that can get to know a bunch of people, that's cool. But man, I want to challenge you. What if there's just one person? And then what if you took it to the next level? What if your next step then was say, hey, do you want to meet for coffee this next week? Or hey, can I take your family uh, or take you out to lunch today? You know, or, you, or where are you guys going? Maybe you don't have the spare coin to take them out. Like, that's fine. Ask them if they're going somewhere. And hey, you want to you join up and, you know, go hang out? And just get to know them. Ask them about themselves. You know, um, I think that part of this active listening that we need to learn as people in general is just allowing people to talk and us asking good questions. Um, I don't know if you've ever spent some time with Pastor Evan Sheckler, but he's my favorite question asker. He's really, really good at asking questions. He, seriously, he's hardwired to ask good questions, and I recognize this about him because sometimes I talk so much, I'm not asking any questions. Just talk, da, 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 da. And Evan's like, well, let me ask you this question. You know, and that's a pretty good Evan, isn't it? So, but, but like, he, he'll ask a question, and all of a sudden, like, I'm like, dude, that's such a good question, and, and it makes me stop and think he's really, really good at asking questions. And so I would say that as you're getting to know people, as you're getting to connect and serve and preserve unity and all these things that God's called us to do to serve each other, man, let's all grow in becoming good question askers. Um, and of course, of course, we need to utilize the things that we've created here at BCC, the things we've celebrated today, you know, being on serve team. How cool is that? that 126 people from June till now have joined and raised their hand and said, yeah, I want to serve on serve team. Isn't that cool? Like, that's so cool. And that gets me pumped up. And I hope that gets you pumped up too because that's fruitfulness, right? That's beautiful to hear that. And anytime it's just one person, it's still beautiful. You know, it's not the, the magnitude of the numbers. It's just that people are still saying yes. People are saying yes to baptism. People are saying yes to getting connected in Christ-centered community. People are saying yes to becoming members of this local body and saying, I've, this is the place I want to plant roots and grow and, and be a part of. And, and how are we helping them to feel loved and welcome? And how are we helping them to serve? Because yes, we, we are going to be that church and we'll continue to be that church that serves those outside of the context of our four walls. That's so important. It's a big part of who we are. But can I tell you that to legitimize our love and our service for those outside of our four walls, we have to be able to serve one another well in this context of these four walls. Amen? Because it starts here. It starts with you and me being able to have this genuine love for one another. And that is what is attractive to those outside, that they want to be a part of that. And that we don't become this closed R4 and no more, right? That we remain open and say, no, we want you to come along with us on this journey. And we want to get to know you. We actually want to take the time to get to know your name. Not just go, oh man, I've been seeing this person here for eight weeks and they're new. I wonder if we've got a person who's being nice to them and making them feel welcome, you know? <laughs> no, instead of us looking at it that way, how can I serve others? How can I connect 
with others relationally. And so that's why we have things like hangouts. That's why we have things like groups. That's why we have serve team. It's so we can serve each other, get to know each other, build relationship with one another. And then this idea of being a mentor or a mentee and showing up for important moments in people's lives. Um, God gave me this really cool opportunity. And I was, I was, I was wondering if I was going to share this or not. But um, there was this guy in uh, Taekwondo that, as a young guy, is in his early 20s. And uh, one day after class, he, you know, was talking to me and he's going to, like, do his promotion thing, like, where he's going to be, like, a second-degree black belt, and that's a really big deal, right? And so he invites me to go, and I don't even really know this guy that well. And I'm like, oh, he wants me to go watch him do his promotion thing, which is, like, a three-hour deal, like, on a Saturday, right? And I find it interesting that me, you know, um, getting asked to do this, and I'm like, I just said, sure, I'll, I'll go see, you know, I'll go watch you promote. And so I did the following Saturday. I watched him promote. And when he was done, he, he did awesome. This guy's just built for this stuff. He's amazing. He came up to me and he just said, thank you for coming. You know, thanks for coming. I'm like, okay, yeah, absolutely, man. And he said it like 10 more times. And that's not an exaggeration. He kept, oh, just thank you. I can't believe you came. Thank you for coming. I'm like, okay. And then fast forward a couple of weeks later, after class one day, he sits down with me. After class, I'm putting my shoes on, and he starts talking to me about things, and come to find out we had some things in common. He invited me to go to a concert with him, and I went. And then at the end of the concert, we hang out in his truck afterwards for a little bit and talk, and we're building this relationship, and I see how God is just walking through this thing, and I'm like, wow, I, I, God, this is such a blessing to be able to invest in this person that, that, that I just see just so much potential in and have this opportunity to hang out with for a little bit. And I thought, wow, it's all because I showed up for something that was important. And so maybe in people's lives that God has seen fit that your paths would intersect. What are some big moments, some things that are important to them that you could look at and evaluate? What would matter to them? What's something that they just want me to just show up or that it would be an important thing for me to show up. I, I think we oftentimes undervalue sh just simply showing up because sometimes just being there. And we could think, man, this is a little deal, but to them it could be a huge deal. And you never know what door God could be opening for you to be able to invest in that person's life that could be impacting eternity. Amen? Amen. Here's the other thing. We could provide opportunities for someone else by serving them. Oh, listen to this. Oh, come on, somebody. Mm. I thought we would just shout hallelujah. I thought people would be running up and down the aisles after I said this. That's how I imagined it in my head. I thought it would be like the Blues Brothers scene with like the guys backflipping in the church. That's what I thought was going to happen. Ah, oh, expectations and reality. Okay. I want us to provide opportunities for someone else by serving them. Think about this. Think about the weight of this. This is so powerful. Providing opportunities for someone else by serving them. And here's, here's, here's the kicker. Even if it's not your thing. Oh, because we all want to like serve and create opportunities where it's our thing, right? Like I'm so jazzed about this thing. I love missions, right? I'm going to do missions, right? Or, I love children. I'm going to do children's ministry. Yeah, I love children. Like, that's so great and so fulfilling when we get to do things that are just, oh, it's so fun to do it. 
But guess what? There were a lot of things Paul did that created opportunity for other people that he wasn't all that excited about. He wasn't like, yes, prison. This is so great. Oh, I'm getting beaten again. Yes, yes, yes. Like, I mean, this wasn't his favorite thing to do. It was inconvenient. And so there will be things that God calls you to do that maybe it is something you just get super pumped about. But there may be things that God calls you to do that you don't get super pumped about. But the benefit is that you're providing an opportunity for someone else that they need. And you're providing that opportunity by serving them. Ooh, shout out to our nursery workers today. Amen. Because that's who we're talking about. And people like that. What are they doing? I mean, they're not in there sharing the gospel and babies are getting saved in there. I mean, you know, that's not necessarily what's going on. But what is happening? They're allowing moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas to be able to hear the gospel and to hear the word of God taught so that they can grow. And then they're providing an opportunity by watching their child and making sure their child receives excellent care and love. That's what they're doing. Because they understand this is bigger than me, right? And, and maybe those people are passionate about, you know, you know, loving on the babies. That's great. But at the same time, maybe they're going, you know what? My passion may not be nursery work. My passion is actually making sure that I'm providing opportunities for other people. And if this is what I got to do, man, you know, I'm, there's some times when there are things that God calls us to do. They're not fun, right? Sometimes we... We get disillusioned with this idea that everything's supposed to be easy and fun, especially in the life of a Christian or in the life of the the ebbs and flows of church. And then when it's not fun anymore, we're like, well, this isn't fun. I don't want to do this anymore. And, and And it never was about your fun. It's about serving and doing it all as under the Lord. This is what Paul's trying to get across to the church. He's saying, guys, be of the same mind, the same love, being in full accord with one mind. Don't do anything from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ, that humbled himself by coming in the form of human flesh, to come and to be with us, to serve us, to die on the cross for us, to empty himself, to be able to come and to live among us and show us the heart of the Father, show us the value system of heaven, and then ultimately provide a path of reconciliation where there was this huge gulf between man and God. Now he is the way, he is the door, he's the truth, he's the life, he's the gate for the sheep, amen? This is what Jesus has done. He said, let this mind be in you that was in Christ. He emptied himself. So can we empty ourselves and serve one another? So what is your next step in growing in humility? Sometimes it's stuff you get to do, man, it's awesome, it's great. Sometimes you're intentionally inconveniencing yourself for the benefit of others. Because spending time with others can look like groups and mentoring, and that's great. But it can also look like serving one another and washing one another's feet. These types of things will deepen our unity as a church because we are contributors, not consumers. I don't want BCC to be a church full of people who have this consumer mindset. I want us to be a church full of people who are serving God and serving each other. 
and letting that mind and that heart be in us that was in Christ. Amen? Because it's bigger than us. But what is your next step going to be? We all have a next step to take deeper in this. Some of our next steps may be repentance, man. Because maybe we recognize some pride or some false humility. Maybe we recognize that we've been sitting back too long. Maybe we recognize that, man, I'm not providing opportunities. I'm not serving whatever the case may be. And I want to. I want to be a part of this. I want to be spending time with God. Yes, and I, and I want to be spending time with others. I want to make others know and that love of God and feel that value, even if it's something as simple as knowing their name. Whatever God has us to do, whatever your next step is, my hope today is that we all take that next step. So let's pray and ask God what that is, and then let's have the courage to take it. Lord, thank you for this day. And I just ask that you would help us all to step out in faith and have the courage, Lord, to do what you have called us all to do, to take that next step deeper and to be those men and women of God that you've called us to be, that BCC can be that church that you've called us to be. So we can spend time with you, spend time with others, and grow together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in online. Our in-person service times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. To learn more about BCC, visit us at bettendorfcc.com. Have a great day.